Hi there, folks. Thanks for joining us for the Young UC podcast. Uh, my name is Tim, and it's great to have you with us. I don't know about you folks, but um, I've been feeling kind of down. I, I read an article about um, about all those dying birds in the southwest U.S., and I don't know why that was the 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 cap on my feelings, why that sort of was the final straw. Um, reading about the wildfires, reading about how we, we failed as a, well, as a species to meet all our biodiversity um, targets that we set for ourselves. And, and then I read that, and that was just it for me. And so since then, I've been feeling pretty low about the state of the world and the, the, the sheer enormity of the problems that, that face us. And it's pretty easy to slip into despair when that happens, when you look at the, the problems with creation that are, that creation is facing, when you look at the problems that, uh, you know, society, civil discourse is facing, um, uh, the problems of poverty, the systemic racism, like all, all these things, it just gets overwhelming and it's easy to slip in despair into despair. And so that's why I wrote this sermon as it is. Um, it's sort of my, my attempt to, uh, to express for myself and figure out for myself, okay, how do I move on from this feeling? How do I, how do I pull myself out of this? And so I hope, I hope you find something in it. Um, the scripture passage is Genesis chapter 15 verses one to six. So that's, uh, that's uh, right in the middle of the Abraham stories. Uh, feel free to check those out and take a peek. Um, yeah, uh, other than that, uh, peace be with you and may all be well. Let us pray. Holy God, may the words from my mouth and the meditations in all our hearts be acceptable in your sight. Amen. So this is the story about a promise. This is a story about the promise, actually. And promise is pretty important in the Hebrew scriptures. So you can think of the, the Mosaic Covenant. Um, if you people follow me, if you listen, if you are faithful and obey these commandments, you will be my people and you will be blessed with well-being. And th that's a promise. Um, think of the promise to, to David. I, I will watch over you and your whole family, um, your whole line. You will, you, you will serve my people and in doing so, your line will rule over them forever. And that's promise as well. Even, even the land that the people of Israel settled in can't be detached from the idea of promise. I mean, it's still sometimes referred to as the promised land. So the story of Abram, who we later call Abraham, but not quite yet. The story of Abram opens up with a promise. Abram is 75 years old and he hears a voice. And I don't know what kind of voice it was. I don't know how it sounded. I don't know if it resonated loudly all around him or, 
or if it was just a whisper in the back of his mind. But the promise said, I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you I will curse, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. And Abram presumably trusts this promise. I mean, he trusts it enough to, to leave his home, to, to go far away to a land he didn't know. The time goes on, and the promise remains unfulfilled. Until Abram had a vision. And again, I don't know what form this vision took, but but it struck Abram one night. And in that vision he heard, he heard God say, Don't be afraid, Abram. I am your shield. Your reward will be very great. And this is what I love about Abraham, Abram, you know, often called the father of faith, is that his response isn't, oh, great. It's not. You know, it's not, not that at all. He, he's upset. And he, he cries out. Essentially, he calls BS on God's promise. You know, uh, you haven't kept up your end of the bargain here, God. I followed you out here and, and nothing. I don't have a child. I can't have a child. Much less a nation, much less save the world. This isn't the way it was supposed to be, God. I like that. I like that relationship that Abraham has with God, where they can talk back and forth a little bit. Abraham can let God know how he feels. When the book of Genesis was edited together with the rest of the Torah, either during or, or shortly after the Babylonian exile, it, whichever, the, the exile would have loomed large in the minds of the editors. The Jewish people were grappling with that, that promise to David. And so they're relating to this story through a broken promise before the Babylonian exile, their, their identity was defined by, by the promise they felt lay over the Davidic line, that the line would rule for eternity. And this is sort of everywhere. I, I, Isaiah holds this up as a really good example, or Isaiah is a really good example of this. He, he grounds his hope, and the hope he shares with the king and the people in, in this promise to David. So when the Assyrians attack Jerusalem, he tells King Hezekiah to resist the army because of this promise to the Davidic line. So, so for example, from Isaiah chapter 37, verse 35, I will defend this city for my sake and for the sake of David. So there was a real sense here that nothing could happen because 
of God's favor for the Davidic line. But when the line was broken, when the people were sent into exile in Babylon, well, that question of promise, it comes back. Doesn't mean anything. Um, can we trust God's promises? The whole identity of the nation, of the people, it's thrown up in, in question. And so the original audience, the people reading this or, or hearing this story, they get it. They get Abram saying to God, yeah, I heard your promise, but it's not going to happen. It didn't work out. When Abram laments here in, in Genesis at the broken promise, the people of Israel are, are also lamenting about their broken promise. They get the pain of promises that are seemingly unfulfilled. They get the pain of looking ahead and not knowing what comes next. The world for them, it, it, it didn't make any sense anymore. This wasn't the deal. This wasn't how it was supposed to be. And we can look at the world now. We can, we can look at the mess. This isn't the deal either. Six months into a pandemic, this isn't what we expect our lives to look like. Is there anyone who, who eight months ago thought this was where we'd be? Politically as well, look at the hatred. Look at, look at those in whose interest it is to divide. Look at the class divisions, the race divisions, the partisan divisions. Um, Ruth Bader Ginsburg just died. And I know that has a lot of people feeling anxious, feeling heartbroken and afraid of the consequences. I know people are because I am. I know a lot of people are anxious about the upcoming election. I'm Canadian and I am. It's amazing how much an American election, one that I have no say in, has the potential to influence my life. But these things, they, they hang over us. As we see hatred rising around the world, look at, look at the creation. Look at the catastrophic decline caused by a, a system that seems insurmountable. Look at the fires. Look at the biodiversity loss. Look at the birds dropping from the sky. And what makes all of this even more difficult is that all these issues are systemic. They aren't quick, simple fixes, but are in many ways woven into the structures of our world. Does any of this look like the kingdom of heaven? Does any of this look like, uh, like the world turned upside down? How do we not look at the world and, and wonder and ask ourselves how and, and even if we'll ever get out of this? How do we not look at the world and wonder if there is anything good to come? Or if everything is just despair and decline. There's a profound sense that the world isn't as it should be. That the ordering of things is, is not just off, but it's entirely backwards. 
The wounds are everywhere. The, the brokenness is everywhere. Yeah, I get Abram's response to God saying, you will be blessed with a firm nope. Not because I don't feel blessed, but because the world is not as it should be. Abram felt he was supposed to have a child. He was supposed to, to father a nation that the whole world would be blessed. There was a, a future. There was, there was hope. But it wasn't happening. The world we live in is supposed to be just. It's supposed to be fair. It's supposed to be loving. It's supposed to be, at the very least, decent. But it isn't. The world is not as it should be, and it looks, at least, to be getting worse. What does that say about the future? And so what do we do? What do we do with the despair? What do we do with the grief? What do we do as we wonder what is happening to the world? What do we do as we look ahead and we see only shadow? When we go outside and we look at the stars. In our scripture passage, this is exactly what God does with Abram, brings him outside and tells him to look up. And I imagine then, as now, the sense that gave was an ethereal one, a, a moment of utter transcendence. We know a lot about space. But I don't know if that, that changes how awestruck and overwhelmed we can get when we look up. Back when this was being written, the stars and planets were still a mystery. mystery. Certainly to a majority of people who heard these stories. The, the, the majority of people who went outside and looked up at night. There were, there were stories to try to explain them, but no one knew. I imagine them going outside at night, un unsheltered by electric lights, and looking up at a speckled void. And maybe they shivered because it was cold, or, or maybe they shivered the way you shiver when struck by an eeriness or an awe that cannot be explained. Today, we know more about what those speckles are. But we also know about infinity and space unimaginably great. So great that we can't even comprehend it. And, and it still makes me shiver. And it's all still very much a mystery. Craig Kester in the Narrative Lectionary podcast talks about the vastness of the promise and how that vastness is reflected here in the sky. And so we go out at night 
and we encounter something vast, something ethereal. The same mystery tickles the backs of our necks that has tickled the necks of, of, of countless people before us. And we think about all the people throughout history who have wondered the same things. Who felt scared. Who felt that the world wasn't going the way it could or, or, or the way it should. Abram was under the same stars. It didn't look good for Abram. But he encountered something transcendent under those stars, and he continued. He didn't throw in the towel and cry defeat. He died with his son, never knowing if the rest of the promise, the rest of what he hoped for, uh, a nation, a blessing for the whole world, of a future would come to be. The people of Israel back from exile asking if they had a future. And again, something within them or outside of them drew them onward. Perhaps the, the vastness of the promise, perhaps some inner call, something transcendent, whether it came from outside them or within them. I don't know. But something called them onward. I imagine Jesus in the garden under those same stars seeing what was ahead for him. Seeing the decay and the corruption caused by the union of empire with religion, with wealth, and with power. And how huge that alliance, that unholy alliance was. And something drew him on towards that cross. Who else in the world seeing the insurmountable ahead of them has been under those same stars, figuratively looking up at them for some strength that seems in many ways otherworldly, looking up at them, seeing the vastness of the promise of what the world could be. Even when they saw evil in the world and wept and felt overwhelmed by it but they kept going anyways those who know me know my mind will often go to Dietrich Bonhoeffer um, for something like this but I imagine Gandhi uh, Martin Luther King Jr. probably even Ruth Bader Ginsburg herself all those great figures that you can think of in the history of ju justice. And countless unnamed people who have dedicated their lives to stand in opposition to the principalities and powers of the world. Perhaps with a hope, perhaps with a promise, but never with any guarantees. People who saw the brokenness of the world, people who saw how wounded the world was and how powerful those wounding forces were. And yet the promise of what could be drove them 
to defy systems that had gained authority solely through an ability to evoke despair. We rest in the company of all of their grief. A grief that things are not as they should be. And we sit under the same stars as all of them. Stars so vast that they promise something is better than what is. And that company in itself is transcendent. Our grief over the injustice of the world, our anxieties over where the world is going, our anger, our longing, our despair. We share in that with a community of saints far larger than any of us realize. It spans history driven by a promise that the world can be good. We are not alone. We are under the very same stars. Thanks be to God. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Young UC Podcast. If you liked what you heard, go to youngunitedchurch.com. There you can hear past sermons, music, and learn a little bit more about who we are and some of the outreach that we do. All of our work in the world, from supporting outreach in Winnipeg to sponsoring refugees to creating content for listeners like you, is supported by donations. If you'd like to support us, please find us through Canada Helps or directly through our website. Thanks very much. Have a good day.